Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. privilege of speaking, I would say the best minor prophet, because I heard us starting this series, and I was like, wow, it's going to be a long summer, <laughs> because all we're hearing is, you sinner, every, every day, you sinner, you know, and God is bringing his judgment, and there has been some really tough words. Is it just me? Or is, you know, some of you are like, man, this is a tough This is a tough series to go through. The Minor Prophets talking about how God is not happy with his people because we really are used to a church um, um, kind of across North America that really loves to give a good word that says God loves you just where you are. But this series has been saying, you know what? God is a holy God. He loves you just where you are. But I don't want to leave you just where you are. I want to pull you up. And so come up here with me, he's saying. Um, so today is a little bit of a different um, approach because here is a prophet who isn't coming to us necessarily with this um, big bad word. This is actually us peeking in on his life. And this is a conversation that he's having between him and God. And we kind of get to peek in at what's going on inside of him. And so here's what I want from you today. Um, I want you that as you listen to look inside yourself and to look at a situation that you just might be hung up on. Maybe it's from the past. Maybe it's what you're going through right now. And say, okay, if Habakkuk can do it, I can do it too. What area do I need to take before God and ask some really tough questions? So that is my question to you. What do you need to take to God today? When I think back on my life, I think there's been a, a, you know, we all have stories. There's been a lot of tough things that I had to deal with growing up in my family life. Um, And I had to find God in the middle of that. Um, And to be honest with you, this wasn't even my notes. I love how God just speaks to you in the moment because it could bring me to tears because of those things that I went through. I found God in an extremely um, very precious way where I would sit at the piano and I would pour my heart out to God going, you know what's going on right now? And he would literally just sing back to me. And I think that um, when I look at my kids' lives, when I look at people who have gone through really tough things, they have an intimate relationship with God because they, if they chose to go to God, God met with them there. And there's something that you just can't sometimes buy. You can't get that until you go through something and then you're like, God met me there. I think of Chad and I's relationship. And if um, I will save you the details for those who've heard it 14,000 times, and I won't tell you anymore, but if you're new here, I'm sure we'll preach on it one day. Again, um, the question of should we marry each other? And just the tidbit of, yes, i dumped him when we were engaged. Um, So we went through that of like, God, what do you want me to do? I don't know what your will is. 
And then there's career moves and that we've had throughout the way saying, ah, you know, this door is open. Should I take this door? God, I don't know. What are you saying? I'm, I'm confused. Um, we had, and we went through two um, horrific miscarriages. Um, and so for those of you who've been through heartache in that area, that's, that's life-changing, that's devastating, and you never view heaven the same way, right? You, you view heaven, there was a while where I couldn't look at heaven because I'm like, my baby's up there, and you took them. And then there was the moment where I, I saw Jesus um, holding my babies, and I saw the great big like Narnia lion, and my babies were tucked in, and, I, and, and it changed everything. Hard times make us go deep, and they help us to find God in a different way. And I love this book because it talks about that. So let's not, you know, the one unifying thing that we all have is the last two years of our lives, right? We won't mention the word COVID because we don't talk about it anymore. And we won't mention all of the things, you know, we'll just pass on from that. But there's been a lot that we've had to go through. So for you, again, what is it? that you've had to go through, that you still need to work through, or how about the idea of hindsight? What have you gone through that you have met Jesus in? And it's really super important to remember that even before we walk through this book and walk through these topics. But when we look back and we're like, God, oh, you know what? I went through that and there you were. We can strengthen ourselves in God and we can remember that he, he's a good God. And so um, here we have Habakkuk, and he is processing, just as we process, and we have processed, and we will continue to process. So if you can get out your Bibles, and you can go to Habakkuk chapter 1, and as you're getting that out, we'll do a little bit of background. So a couple of things about Habakkuk is he's somebody who is a thinker. I think him and I would get along really well together. He's a wearer. You know, he's, he just, he thinks, he processes things. Um, he's a prophet, he's sensitive, he's caring, he loves his people. You know, like there's one thing about me that I'm like, don't touch my church. I love my church. You know, so he's like, don't touch my people. And he actually has the audacity to say that to God. Um, he's sincere, he's educated, and he receives um, an oracle. So an oracle is a pronouncement, a revelation, or a warning, and it's pretty weighty what he receives, but he receives it from God. So historically, okay, this is where my right side brain that I actually only exist in, like there's no left side brain for me. So all you left side brain people, bless you. So I, usually this is about the time in the sermon when I check out and then I check back in and I don't mean to, I just blank out. And then, like, I'm like, I come back too, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I just missed something. So I'm gonna pull you right side brains in, and you're just gonna repeat after me, okay? So you get it. Okay, so this is about 600 years before Christ, say 600 years. 600 years. You guys are awesome today. Okay, so there were 10 tribes in the north, ten tribes in the north. there's two in the south, the north, the north. were Israel. Israel, and the south. And I actually don't know which way north and south is. Am I doing the right way? I don't know. Um, south is Judah. Okay, so Pastor Charlie wanted to make sure all week that my right side of brain got this. So every day he'd be like, what side did Habakkuk come from? And I'd be like, Israel. Actually, I don't know. I'll find out for you soon. And I came back to him today and I said, Judah, he came from the south. Because I said it wrong all week. Um, okay, so... 
About a thousand years before Christ, David lived in the time where there was 12 and they were all really happy and living together. And then as the story played out, they separated and um, the 10 north were taken into exile by Assyria. Say Assyria. Okay, kind of like cereal, but Syria. And then there was two in the south. So what's happening um, amongst the two tribes in the south that were like happy and living like really happy was there was a decline and there was a drifting away from God. Say boo. So Jeremiah was a peer. So I don't know about you, but if Jeremiah, prophet uh, who wrote this big of a Bible, you know, a book in the Bible was around, I'd be like... He's got it, God. But no, Habakkuk passionately loved his people, so he had a real problem that he needed to figure out with God. And so Jeremiah is around. Jehoiakim, say Jehoiakim, is a king during that time. And during this time, Babylon is increasing as a world power. It used to be Assyria. Assyria used to be the big, big one. But now Babylon is rising up in power since a boo. Thank you. Um, so he's watching all this happen. He's processing. He is like, God, what is going on? And so um, I don't know about you, but it's actually not far-fetched to be wondering the same thing today, right? There was a period of time um, before COVID hit where I would weep at night and I would wake up weeping and I just was like, what is what is going on in the government? What is going on in our schools? And I just cried over the state of our schools. And I, and um, don't get me wrong, but when COVID hit, I was or hit. I was actually excited. So please forgive me for even saying that because it was terrible. It was awful. But politically, I was like, okay, if we can take the attention off of this stuff over here, and we can just put it over here, it ended up being awful. Two years of our life that we never thought would happen, but. You know, before it all happened, I was like, let's think about something else and maybe this will go away. But what ended up happening was so many things, while all of the attention was going on COVID, so many things got pushed through the government in the background that we kind of came out and came up for air. And I went, whoa, this, this was not hidden. This was not forgotten. Um, and so we're looking at this, you know, what's going on. Um, then you look at, at Russia and the Ukraine and there's war. And there's so many, so many crazy things happening that we could probably, and I, if I could peek into some of your prayer rooms, I am sure that you're saying some of the same, same things. And so I do hope that this message is an encouragement to you because it actually really was timely for me. And I actually think I had to preach this message today because I had to like, get it more in my spirit. Um, so here's what's unique. Um, I've already kind of said that people usually talk to the people for God, but this whole book is actually um, based on God, like Habakkuk talking to God saying, what's going on? So the first principle that we get, say five. five. We're going to learn five principles. And the first one is that honesty and depth can lead to a greater trust in God. So, so many of us, sometimes um, we get frustrated and we don't go to God about the major things in our lives. And we actually think that we are, because we're really thinking about them a lot. But then if somebody asks you the question, 
have you been praying about this? You're like, well, I've been talking a lot about it, but I don't know if I've actually been praying about this. So the challenge is, what are you taking to God? And are you actually talking to him about it? Because when you go deep and you have raw conversations with God and you ask the tough questions and you actually stop to listen that you're going to find a more intimate and a greater trust. Um, I think sometimes a lot of people are afraid to open up with God and go deep because they're really concerned that if they do, you're going to open up this can of worms and you're not sure what's going to come out. Am I the only one who's been there sometimes? You're like, actually, if I just bury this, if I just push this down, you know, something tragic happened, some trauma happened in your life, and you're like, "I'm, I'm good. I'm not talking about this because you're concerned that this can of worms is going to open up and you'll never be able to put the lid back on, right? Yeah. You're not going to be able to put the lid back on. So you're like, let's just leave the lid on. But God said, you can trust me. And so just go with me here. And this is why I'm saying, what do you need to deal with today? And come with me on, on a journey today because it's going to be a journey. So Habakkuk knows not to avoid not to shove, not to coast, not to stuff things. But I'm going to talk to God about this. So chapter 1, verse 2 says, this is Habakkuk. How long must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? And, and God, really, why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife. There is conflict. It's abounding. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that the righteous is perverted. So this prophet has a broken heart. And I'm sure, like myself, at times you've had a broken heart. And what he feels is like unbearable. And what he's basically saying is God where is the justice? Because I know who you are. I know what you've done in the past, like, like Moses, Abraham, all of that. Where are you and why are you not moving? And the key word um, in verse 3 is violence. Actually, six times in this short little book of Habakkuk, the word violence is used. Um, people violating one another. There's, they're wronging each other. They're injuring each other. And not only that kind of, of violence, but... Um, not just in the nations, but nations against nations. And they're like, this is ugly. He's saying, I don't, I don't understand where you are. And we see that today. So all of the whys build up in the prophet. He's like, why is there so much evil? Why is there so much injustice? Why is evil triumphing? And why does it feel like when I, got, when I cry out to you, God, that I hear nothing? And so intellectually, this prophet who's educated, and he's a smart guy, he's like, I know who you are. But it's not like matching up. It appears like you're not doing anything. And he cries out this. He says, how long? So if you've ever heard of somebody who's like, how long? This isn't like their first, you know, time through this. They're like, this is going on and on and on. And when you hear somebody say, how long? They're completely in agony. And they're like, I've had about enough. I've come to the end of my line. And this is where he is. And this is where it comes from. King David in the Psalms asks the same question about how long. Psalms 13, he says, how long, O Lord, would you forget me forever? That's like, that's, that's a deep prayer. 
I am forgotten. Like you don't see me. Like I'm, am I invisible, God? Like you've forgotten me forever. Like I, I don't even remember what happened before it, that was good because it feels like forever. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and everyday sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O oh Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. So maybe that language isn't exactly, you know, the language that you use. But I'm sure a lot of you have, have used some sort of language. And we're actually encouraging you. How about you get just real for a moment? And how about you use some relational you know, language with you know, God instead of just, well, I know this, but my heart is saying something else. So David and Habakkuk in their relationship with God are trying to work through some things. So the second, say second. second. The second principle is do not let destruction and injustice undermine your faith. So let me say this in a different way. Don't let what you see going on around you create a theology about who God is. Because I think we actually often do, well, you know, when I prayed for this, it didn't happen. And so I don't know if God really actually heals anymore. Maybe that was like, you know, pre-Acts or, you know, but I don't know. I don't know if that happens anymore. We serve a God who doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so don't let what you see going on around you change your faith because God is the same. And so Habakkuk's a godly man, but he's just like, if I, I, like I'm a godly man, but I'm sinful. So if I think this is bad and you, God, are that much holier, how can you think this is okay? And so if he's a godly man and he's dealing with this stuff, we're okay here. But here's the temptation that when we see injustice and we see evil, we conclude that God is not omnipotent and he is not all-powerful or that he's not loving and compassionate. So we have kind of two different characteristics of God. Over here, we have you are omnipotent, which is a really big churchy word for like all-powerful. So here's God um, and you know, when you think of him sitting up in heaven on this great big throne, you're like, there's God. He can do anything. And then we see Jesus and, um, you know, we also, you know, picture Jesus like with the little children around him and he's caring. And that's another picture that we got of God of the characteristic of, man, that's pretty cool that he can be all powerful, but he's loving and caring and empathetic and he is and he's close he's so close he sent jesus to earth to be with us to actually be able to go through the things that we went through he's not just a god who sat up in heaven really far away he's both but when we go through tough times we kind of separate those things and so in our limited understanding we assume that if god is was all loving and powerful so if he's all powerful that he would fix this, right? And so as we try to process, a lot of people will conclude that God is not powerful because if he was powerful, he would fix it, right? Um, or he's just not doing anything. Or they'll say that he's not loving because he is powerful enough to fix this, so he just must not care. He cares maybe about that person, but he doesn't care about me. He cares about that 
country, but he doesn't care about us. Or so it's just like one or the other. We, we change our theology because of something that's happening in our lives. Did you know that your view of God is the one of the most precious things that you will ever have in your life? And isn't there that scripture that just says, protect your heart because it's the wellspring of your life. So your view of God is so precious. So it's so important how you navigate through tough times. And I will say that I was not impressed that I had to preach this week um, because although I chose the week that I seemingly had time to preach, um, you know, I had to sit in a hospital room um, and, and watch a baby die. And I don't know, how do you even process through that? How do you process through that? Like, I understand when, and so, like, it's okay to have these conversations. Let's have these conversations. It's okay for somebody 90 to die. It's their time, but not a baby. And so, God basically said to me, you need to read, you need to be the one, because if we stuff these questions and don't ask the questions, the next time somebody gets sick, or you um, have to pray for somebody, oh, there it is. Why would I pray? Because God didn't do it last time. I went through a series of, um, when we moved here, um, there was a family, um, there was three teenagers in our um, youth group. I think I've told the story, but so many of you are new. And um, the the father, he was one of my wor- co-worship leaders. I worship led, led with him, and he got cancer. And we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. And... We believed, we had faith that he would, he would, you know, live. And we moved here, and a week later, he passed away. And that was just the first knock. And then a pastor's kid that we knew um, died of cancer. And then another pastor's kid that we knew died of cancer. And it actually went on, and it was the series. And it took me back about several years of figuring, of like, Okay, I'm supposed to keep pastoring. I don't know how to process this. I do not know what to do. And, and if we don't actually ask the questions, they will pop up. Because they'll pop up the next time you get asked to pray for somebody. So let's just talk about it. And that's why this message is extremely important. And so don't stop being with me. Let me keep preaching because there's a really good ending to this. So at this point... Um, a lot of people become hard-hearted and disillusioned. So like, you know what? I don't understand. So he's all-powerful. He's just not choosing to heal. Or they say he's loving and caring, so then that must mean that he's not all-powerful and he actually can't. And so we, we kind of like hit one or the other of these so they put up walls. We put up walls. I'm sure you've met somebody like this, or maybe that's yourself. And we, um, we met people who just hate Christians. They hate people who are Christ followers. Um, and, and I just missed that. Yeah, I don't know what you've wrestled through in your past, what traumas you've been through, but we've all been through something. So here's where Habakkuk is. So that was, that was just like a let's get real and raw moment. 
And so here's Habakkuk. And he's like, okay, I, I, I can't even begin to start to run around and try and fix this. Um, or try to figure this out. And so a lot of us will try and look ahead, trying to figure things out, how, what's going to happen. But what Habakkuk did was he looked up. And so he says in verse 5, Look at the nations and watch, and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that would, you would not believe, even if you were told. So principle three, just say three is that God is going to give you amazing information to those who seek him and listen to him. And that's why I love what, what God spoke to us through the prophetic words this morning. He said, I am going to get you with my love, basically. And then he said, but are you seeking me? Are you listening? Because what this principle is saying is he will speak to you if you are listening. So if you decide not to shove and not talk about that, but to take it to God and actually sit, and it's okay to cry. So here's, here, somebody described it this way, and I love it. i got to just read it. He's, uh, oh, maybe I'm missing some information before I say it. But anyways, I'll go there. He said, here's, here's Habakkuk, and he's like, um, here's, you know, you know what? I'm sorry. I don't preach much. This isn't my fault. I don't get to do this very often. I <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going, and then I'll come back to it. So um, Job, Job, not Job, Job lost everything, but he kept crying out to God, and God revealed it to him. Paul wrestled with a thorn in the flesh and other kinds of trials, and he kept seeking God, and God would actually speak to him in really cool ways. Then there's Mary. Mary, she's like, what's the deal? How in the world am I pregnant? And God's like, if you say yes, you know, I'm going to do incredible things through you. So there's a tidbit into our reaction. Depends on how we're going to react. So when, um, when you're sincere and you seek him, he wants to lovingly communicate to him. Um, one of the things that I used to do in my earlier years, um, before I was married and before I had kids, um, and I was pastoring, and I was like, why well, go on a vacation? I don't know what to do by myself. So I would go to, like, you know, um, solitude times away, and I'd uh, go to a, 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 co- a, a cottage, you know, there was no Wi-Fi, no TV, and I would just get away, and I would sit there for like three days, and there was a hill, and there was hiking, and I'd just sit with my Bible, and I would sit with a um, notepad and, and a journal, and I would just download, and, and God would like pull things up in me like that maybe needed to be healed and then he'd, he'd bring some healing or he would tell me some things that I need to do in the future and he would just speak. And I know that life is busy, but I think you need to find a creek near you. You need to get a nature or you need to just find a time away from people and you need to get with God and be real and ask him real questions because he will speak to you. And when you do do that, He's going to speak to you um, and tell you things that maybe are in his heartbeat because he is loving and compassionate. Um, so do you know what's interesting in Habakkuk 1 verse 5? Okay, this is where I was jumping to. Where God answers Habakkuk. So this is his, um, his answer. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if I told you they were true. 
So this verse is actually quoted in Acts 13 as well. Paul and Barnabas are speaking and they're saying to the crowd, look, you scoffers, wonder and perish for God is going to do something in your days that you would never believe if somebody told you. So in Habakkuk's context, God is going to use the Babylons to rebuke and bring down the, um, uh, bring his people back. So the, the Judah, who's like discarded God, they're, they're getting farther away from God. God was actually choosing to use a worse nation and take out Judah to hopefully bring them back and hopefully it's all going to be, be good. But when Paul and Barnabas are sharing with the crowd, they're saying, God is doing something. So don't scoff because they're saying he sent his son, he's going to die He's rising, and now salvation is not just for the Jews. It's for the Jews and the Gentiles and the whole world. So don't mock and scoff it because God is going to do something in this generation, and you're invited into it. So Habakkuk listens to God and gives him an answer that he is not listening or not wanting. So we heard what God or what Habakkuk was saying to God, and he's like, I don't get it. This is terrible. Why are you doing it? But God says, watch. I am doing something. And Habakkuk says, I just don't want to hear what you have to say. And so they have a crossroads, but verse um, six to seven, um, as Habakkuk's trying to figure out his plan and figure out who all these Babylonians are, he says, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians, that ruthless, impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize and dwelling places, not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own um, honor. And so here is um, the Assyrians, this powerhouse, and Babylonians are going to come in and wipe them right out. And then there's actually, even at that time, Egypt. Egypt was another huge powerhouse, and the Babylonians came in and wiped them out. So can you imagine if a massive, like, powerhouse uh, nation that right now, like, we won't mention any of them, but all of a sudden God wiped them out. We'd be sitting there going... What is happening? What is happening? And this is what Bab- like he's Habakkuk is like, what is happening? These are the powerhouse of the world. How, oh my goodness. And you, God, are allowing the worst one to come in and take out all these ones? I don't get what you're doing. So here's principle four. Say four. four. God demonstrates his unrivaled strength to people who are self-reliant. Because he says, you know what? You just watch and wait. They look like they're rising up, but don't worry. They don't need me. Like, they don't, they're not even like Judah who's pushing me away. They are like, we are the final say. Like, we are the final. We're going to rely on our own strength. We are going to, you know, like, we are basically God on earth. We're going to come in and God's like, nobody like that is going to get away with it. So watch. But what you're seeing, I'm still doing something in the meantime. I'm still causing Judah to lean into me. I'm still doing something. It just doesn't look good to you, but don't worry. Babylon's not going to win the end. Sometimes we're in life and we're looking at one puzzle piece and we're looking at another puzzle piece and we're like, this does not match who you are, God. You're supposed to be loving. You're supposed to be all powerful. This doesn't match. Why did you let that baby die? Why did you let this happen? Why are you letting this nation rise up? Why? I don't understand. But God's like, you just see two little pieces. But I see the puzzle. And don't worry. The end 
is I see the big picture and I see, and I'm not going to let them. And that's the principle. He's like, God just demonstrates his unrivaled strength to people who are self-reliant. People who are like, I've got it all. And so um, God's going to show up in a unique way. And here's Habakkuk saying, you know, God's saying yes, and he's saying no. But here's what Habakkuk says in verse 12. Oh, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my holy one, we will not die. Oh, Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. Oh, rock, you have ordained them to punish. The cool thing about this is I love that he's actually, even though like he's really mad at God and he's like, I don't get it. I'm spewing, I'm spewing, I'm spewing. He's actually said, oh, rock. He called God who he is. He's staying in faith. And this is, this is what I love. It's like a, it's like a faith sandwich. Because here's Habakkuk. He's like, oh, God, my rock. God, you're my rock. And so it's like this faith sandwich that I don't know if you've seen in your life, but it's like, God, I believe you. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Yet I will praise you. And that's what we need to do. We need to have a faith sandwich that is okay to have questions, but says, but God, you're my rock. So he, he continues, all right? Verse 13, God, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Then why do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You've made men like seeing the fish in the sea, like sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net and he gathers them with his dragnet. And so he rejoices and glad, is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net, he lives in luxury and enjoys the choices of food. So he, keep, he is, uh, is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy. So Habakkuk is just saying, this makes no sense. And why are you not taking action, God? But I want to point out to you two things. Say one. Okay, so this is the difference between questioning God and asking God. Okay, so asking God is help me understand. This doesn't feel good and it doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm trying to figure it out. I'm just going to ask you. And I'm going to be real with my emotions. And then say two, questioning God. Questioning God is, I know what's best. God, my ways and my plans are way better than yours. And I think you've made a mistake here. I think you made a mistake. So let's get with the program, God. Like you need, and or you know, we've all prayed, Lord, I want this to happen. I want this to happen. Can you, are you going to declare that? But God's like, did you ever ask me? You know, is, was that my will? Um, so humility keeps us asking and it's okay to ask questions. So keep asking, but I want to commend you today. You've been through the, the COVID, you've been through the pandemic, you've been through things in your life and you are still here today. But the thing about religion is sometimes we can come and we can make it our religious practice and we can make it feel like, you know, we're being saved because we're still coming. Have you ever like, you know, put on a hot pad and you've taken something out of the oven and you're like, ouch, that burned me. This didn't work. This hot pad was supposed to save my fingers and it didn't. Anybody have like those hot pads that are terrible? Yes, yes, not fun. That is like religion. 
That is like ceremonies. So back in Habakkuk's day, they did tons of ceremonies, but that didn't save them. Religion doesn't save you because we can go through hard things and we can still come on Sunday and we can get farther and farther and farther and farther from God because our hearts get more and more hardened because we don't see it. And so we're having tough conversations today, aren't we? Being real with God keeps us at least connected and he can show us little tidbits half of the piece of the puzzle to say i am still watching you i am still not just watching i'm walking through with you i am here and we're going to get through this together but there is a big picture and it's going to be okay so number five number five hold on to god's character when you don't have the answer that you want so when you can't see God's hand, trust his heart. And sometimes we do need to declare over ourselves, God, I trust you. I don't see you. I don't get it. But I know that you don't change. And I know that you have a big picture. So I declare, I trust you. So Habakkuk used that word rock. Moses had a song. And in Deuteronomy 32, verse 3, he said, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the God. He is the rock. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just. He is the faithful God who does no wrong. Of right and just is he. So no matter what he saw, he's like, this is who you are. I'm not making a new theology out of my own experiences. Um, we use David and his like, ah, God, what are you doing? I don't get it. I didn't finish the passage though. The end of chapter, of chapter 13, verse five in Psalm says, but I trust your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation and I will sing to the Lord for he has been so good to me. What, what prayers have you prayed in the past that he didn't, didn't answer? And you look back now and you're like, oh my goodness, thank you that you did not answer that. You know, like there have been those times. And we could say, you have been good to me. You have been faithful. You have gotten me through. I may not get it. I may not understand, but you don't change, God. So your take home is when life feels disappointing and frustrating, you can be raw with God because he is your rock. Habakkuk ends in chapter 3 with this beautiful passage. Chapter 3, verse 17. And this is like kind of the iconic Habakkuk chapter that we all know so well. Though the fig tree fails to bud, and there are not grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the field produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no castle, no cattle in the stall, Yet I rejoice in the Lord, and I will be joyful in God my, my Savior. The Savior, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he enables me to go on the heights. He's going to enable you to go through whatever season that you're going through because he is a loving God, and he is close. We're going to take communion together. So I want you to pull out your communion, and it's a little bit of an odd time to do communion because um, often we do it during worship. But to me, this is a really profound time. So here is Jesus. 
He is wrestling with the fact that Father God just told him that he needs to die on this cross. And he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is saying, God, Father, if there is any other way, take this cup from me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And Jesus says, but your will be done. And if this is what you want me to do, then I will walk through this. So we're going to take communion. And I actually want you to stand to your feet. Because I believe that there is a lot of people here today who have these questions in their head. Um, And I want to, first of all, make... um, bring our attention to the fact that Jesus identifies with you. And we're focusing on the cross of Christ right now. We're focusing on the fact that he died and went through such hardship for you. So just close your eyes for a moment. If that's you and you're just in the middle of a pit right now, And you're just not finding any way out right now. Or you've got some big questions and you're like, God, I don't know how I'm going to get past these questions because I don't see an answer in sight. And I don't even know where you are. I actually see blackness. I actually see a pit with walls all around me with a roof on. And I don't see you inside this pit with me. I want you to go somewhere with me, if you would, please. With every every eye closed. (sighs) Can you picture Jesus for a moment right now? We all can picture an outfit we're going to wear on another day, if you're a girl. We can picture, you know, doing something that we've done in the past. So you can picture things in your head. I want you to picture Jesus. I want you to picture him sitting on a chair and there's a whole bunch of children around him. And I want you, if you can, and if you're willing, to sit on his lap and let him put his arms around you. Let him hug you and let him give you a chance to ask some questions and 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 just even tell you that he is there maybe it might be hard because you have had so many questions for so long that it's hard to go there but he's been waiting for you he's been waiting he's been sitting there hoping that you would come and you'd at least have that hard conversation with him So Jesus, those people who are just in a really hard spot, God, I pray that you would meet them where they are right now. I thank you that you love them. I thank you that you are for them, even when it doesn't feel like it. Even you when you feel so distant or so unpowerful or unloving. God, I pray that right now that you would show them your love for them. So now I just want you to switch gears for a moment. I want you to just picture Jesus on the cross. 
And he just cries out, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. And that's us he's talking about. That, that we have been sinful, we have done things, and he loves us and his grace and his mercy is for us. And he's choosing to die for you. That's how much he loves you. If you want to just take a moment just to receive that love right now. Just say, Father, I've been really far from you and I've pushed you away. But I want to receive your love in a way that I haven't in a while. And I thank you that you actually have gone through something so much more horrific than I have. You identify with pain. You identify with hard things. You are a close God. You are a loving God. And Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. And so why don't you open the top of your communion cups. It says, First Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So why don't we take that together? Father, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. You endured so much, God. And your love remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change. You don't change, God. We change. Our circumstances change. But you don't change. And so, Father, we thank you that you endured this so that we could be closer with you and that you could give us eternal life. In the same way, after he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood. Why don't we just take this today? Father, we thank you for the blood that was shed for us to have perfect connection with you, a perfect covenant with you, that covenant that, that is undetachable, that says that your love never fails, your love never ends, it's always there. And so Jesus, we just thank you for what you endured for us. If I could have the, um, um, the prayer team come, if that's you today and you're just, you've got questions, you're heavy, um, you're like, you know what? I have created a new theology based on hard things that have went on in my life. And I just need to find God again. Because I've become a little calloused. There's a little bit of a stone crossed around my heart. And I really need that gone. Or, you know, when I was, when you told me to close my eyes and I was in that dark room, actually, I think I'm there a lot. And I have a hard time finding Jesus in there. If that's you, let's pray for you to be able to find Jesus. Or maybe you're just in a really tough spot and you're really broken and you've got no answers and you just want to say, God, I just want to come to you because you know the big, you know the big answer, you know the big picture 
and I just don't want to stay away from you any longer. If that's you, would you come? And so why don't you come? And so I'm just going to close. Father, I just thank you, God, that you're close, that you are near, that you are faithful, that your mercies are new every morning, God. And so, Jesus, for those tough questions we have, God, I pray that you would meet people in their devotion times this week. I pray that you would meet people in, um, in dark places. I pray that you would meet people in the questions that they have. But as long as we keep asking, as long as we keep connecting with you, we're in a good place, God. And so I pray that you just cover over them today in your name. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.